Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Today, I want to talk about life in the cockpit. How many of you guys have ever been on a plane before? Right? Most of us have been on a plane. Have you, anybody ever been in the cockpit of a plane, like a commercial airliner? I've never been, but I always thought that would be so cool. You know, like you see it on movies and things like that about the kids going up and letting them see the cockpit and all these type of things. But I want to talk today about life in this life, life in the cockpit, life in the place where decisions are made. Come on, where direction is determined. And today I want to talk for just a moment about the pilot of the ship, or what, what we might call the captain, right? When, if you've been on a plane before, you've heard the, the, the pilot come on board over the intercom, and he goes, this is your pilot speaking. He actually doesn't say, this is your pilot. He actually says, this is your captain speaking. And so we have been provided, as believers, an incredible captain for this vessel of life. And the, the, the role of a pilot or the captain of a ship is... is pretty elaborate. He sits down. He goes over a checklist. He ensures that communication is working. He ensures that the, that the plane is fueled, that the flight is going to be handled well, that the crew is where they need to be, that everything is ready for clearance, right? This is the job of the captain. He is in charge of the ship. If something goes wrong, it's on him, right? They're not going to say, well, it's because of that passenger, it's not because of a stewardess, it's because of the pilot. The pilot is in charge of the ship. It's his job to communicate to ATC, right, air traffic control. It's his job to communicate with the tower, not what's going on, what the weather patterns are like, how high they need to be flying, do they need to make um, some adjustments to their route, all those different things. The pilot is the one that is in on these decisions. And then once he gets those things, he communicates them to the staff or the crew on the plane. And so the captain is responsible for the preparation, the communication, the navigation, and the protection of the passengers until they reach their destination. And I think about the pilot of a ship is much like the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit in our lives is responsible for the preparation. Come on, when you came into the kingdom, it wasn't your idea. The Lord put the Holy Spirit inside of you to call you, to beckon him to himself. He is responsible for the communication. You want to talk to the Lord? You have that out because of the Holy Spirit. He is in charge of the navigation. He's the one that, that tells us where to go and how to get there. And he is the one that will protect us and lead us into our destination. I love Romans chapter 8. If you want to talk about life in the Spirit, we're talking today about living in the cockpit. Y'all with me? So Romans chapter 8, y'all kind of quiet today. You're going to have to chip her up and uh, make it easy on your pastor. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. If you're thinking about sinful things all the time, it's because your sinful nature is dominating your nature. But those who are controlled or those who are after the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 
The sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. See, you cannot please God in your own ability. You can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that verse again. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Good news, verse 9. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature. But you are controlled by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to Christ. So you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit of God. But if Christ lives in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Because you are in right standing with God, your spirit is alive. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, oh, this is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible right here. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Man, I just don't have enough energy to make it through the day. He will give life to your mortal bodies. That same spirit that went into Jesus when his body was dead in the grave gives life to your mortal body. It's called resurrection life. You have that life inside of you. So when you feel dead, when you feel discouraged, when you feel unmotivated, ask him, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I need to experience resurrection life. Verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Everybody say obligation. Other words, there's no options, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or daughters of God. The reason why the Scripture uses the word sons is because sons are the ones that inherit the, it's not speaking of when, it, when the scripture says sons here, it's not speaking of gender, it's speaking of position, okay? The one who receives the inheritance. Because of those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs. Everybody say co-heirs. Co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You've probably heard people say before, God will share his glory with no one. Actually, through Christ, that's not true. He does share his glory because of Christ, because of righteousness, because of how does he share his glory? He puts his Holy Spirit inside of us, and we are co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ. How many of you know that's good news? Is that good news? All right. So our position in the cockpit is not the pilot. That's the Holy Spirit's position. Our position in the cockpit is the co-pilot. We are the co-pilot. So how many know that the co-pilot's role is there to assist and to work with the pilot? They're qualified. Usually they're just as licensed as the pilot that's there. 
They're able to fly the plane. Sometimes they'll fly the plane. Sometimes they'll land the plane. Sometimes they'll do the communication. All those type of things. There's many of the same roles that the pilot has. And that, beloved, is our, our position as believers. We are the co-pilots of our ship. Many times we're like, um, you know, the, I hear that song, you know, Jesus take the wheel, right? When I hear that song or someone say that, you know, because it's kind of become a little cliche, people say, Jesus take the wheel. My first thought is, well, why'd you take your hands off the wheel in the first place? That's kind of my default. But then when I think about it, I'm like, well, you know, sometimes the Lord allows us to make decisions, not decisions that are independent of him, but decisions based upon his leadership in our life. Are you with me? In fact, to the point to where you start co-laboring, come on, co-heirs with Christ. So this life in the cockpit is actually a partnership. Are you with me? It's a partnership. Jesus put his Holy Spirit in us, and then he said, go, you're going to do greater things than I did because I go to the Father. What is he saying? You're going to do the same stuff I did. Why? Because now you're partners. You're kingdom partners with Jesus. Now, he's, he's the boss. He's in charge. We're not, listen, I'm not devalue, devaluing the lordship of Jesus. I'm emphasizing your ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can share in the flying duties, similar decision-making duties that the Lord has by his leadership. See, God's plan on the earth has always involved human partnership, always. God never said, I'm just going to go do it. We sing songs, and I know we, you know we say, man, God, I just want it to be all you. Yes, absolutely. That is the cry of our heart. But you know what the Lord says? He says, I, don't, I want you to do it with me. I want to do it through you. I want to work together with you. So in order for that to happen, we've got to stay in the cockpit, right? Many of us, what we like to do is we like to take the wheel and then say, see ya. And then we want to fly our own ship without any leadership, right? And so God, God's plan has always been this way. We see this in Genesis chapter one, right? With the mandate, the kingdom mandate on the earth. What is God's kingdom mandate on the earth? Be fruitful and multiply, right? Take dominion. This was, this was the purpose of mankind since the beginning, and it never changed. So God's plan for us is to spread his kingdom on the earth, to advance his kingdom and to take dominion. Dominion over sin, dominion uh, by land, physical dominion. God's plan for you is dominion. Well, that's dominion theology. Okay, I don't know what you call it. That's what the plan of man is on the earth. This has been God's plan from the beginning. He created, he had, God had this dream, he had this story, and he grabbed us, and he stuck us in it, and he said, yes, let's do it together. I'll go in the garden, we'll hang out, but I want you to subdue the earth. And we're going, God, subdue the earth, God, subdue the earth. He goes, yes, yes, I will, and I'm going to do it with you. And the second thing that Jesus, uh, when Jesus returns, because we gave that up, right, we screwed the mandate up, right, we gave away the keys. So when Jesus shows up on the earth, they said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? What's the commandment? What do you want us to do? Well, what I want you to do is what I told you back in Genesis, but y'all haven't been doing that. So how about this? For starters, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How about you fall back in love with me, and then we can do this business on the earth together? So it's the great command. How many know it takes God to love God? You can't love God without God. It takes God. I mean, it just really does. You say, oh, I love. people say, we, we say it all the time. I say, it. man, I just love God with all my heart. Do you really? 
Do you really love God with all your heart? Well, like mostly, like 95%, right? I mean, most, if we're doing 95%, we're doing really good, right? But as we grow in our relationship with God, we love, so we might have started off with like 10%. Oh, I love God with, we wouldn't tell anybody this, but we're like, I love God with like, oh, really search my heart, Lord. I think I love you with like, oh, 25%, Lord. That's a great place to start. 25%, loving God with 25% of your heart is really good. But as you grow in your relationship with the Lord and you co-labor with him and his love infiltrates your life, that goes from 25 to 50% like that. And you fall more in love with Jesus and your heart is more invested in him. So he's like, I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and all your strength, and I'll give you the Holy Spirit to help you do that. So God wants lovers. How many know that he's not looking for laborers? He's looking for lovers. And if we can get lovers, he'll get labor out of them. Because labor, labor always comes out of love. But you can labor all day long and not have love. And that's, and that's what the religious people had. That's why they say, Lord, what's, this, what's the most important one? He's like, well, love me. Love me. And they're like, well, we're doing all this stuff. And he's like, love me. Then, with the disciples, he gives them what? A commission that's very similar to what we see in Genesis. Right? The great command. Command. I mean, commission. Commission. It's not the great mission. Go. He said, no, it's the commission. Acts 1.8. I'll give you the power. The Holy Spirit will be upon you. You'll go. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be willing to die for me. You'll take over what happened in Genesis. They lost the keys. I got the keys back. Here's the keys. Remember, he gave the keys to Peter. Go. The great commission. And this is the mandate of the body of Christ. This is our Mission, together, with the Holy Spirit. See, your mission isn't just to have a good life and raise your kids and send them to college so they can grow up and have the same kind of debt that you had. No, your mission is to advance the gospel on the earth, to subdue the earth with the kingdom of God, to see God's presence in every sphere of the world around us, in every, every area, in every person, in every nook and cranny. That's what God wants is his presence. Guess who does it? The Holy Spirit, yes. How does the Holy Spirit work? Through us. So God is into this thing called partnership. Yes, God, do it. Come, do it, do it. We're Sin revival, sin revival. He's like, yes, I will sin revival, but will you be revival? This is the heart of heaven. Partnership. I'm preaching a lot harder than your amen in today. John 15. Now, I would really encourage you to spend a lot of time, a lot of time. I've told you guys about Romans 8, spend a lot of time in Romans 8. If you want to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, spend a whole lot of time in John 14, 15, and 16. Spend a whole lot of time in there and study the Holy Spirit. You don't have to know Greek or anything like that. Just read it. Just get into the Word till the Word gets into you. Just read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. If you spend the rest of the year reading those three chapters every day, awesome. That would be awesome. Don't try to get through the Bible. Just let the Bible get into you. Just get into it and get into it and get into it. It's a good thing. Or read Pastor Brooks', Brooks blog on reading the Bible. Or just do John 14 to 16. All right. If. Everybody say if. Oh, conditions. If you remain. Everybody say remain. Everybody say abide. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it'll be given to you. 
Whoa, really? Anything? Yeah, because when you're abiding, you learn to pray what he wants you to pray. You learn to pray what he wants to give you. Partnership. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. Showing yourselves to be his disciples. So how do we show ourselves to be the disciples of Jesus? Oh, I go to church. Are you a believer? Yeah, I go to Overflow Church. No, not where you go to church, the fruit of your life. Show yourselves to be my disi- your disciples by your fruit. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Get this. As the Father, Jesus, and the Father, as the Father has loved me, perfect, sinless Jesus, so I have loved you. You know, you are not going to get out of the love of God. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. There's nothing you can do. It's unending. It's unfailing. It's unconditional. You can't get out of it. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain. Now Now that I love you, will you just stay in my love? Will you abide in my love? Will you remain? Will you live there? Verse 10, if you obey my commands, well, how do we remain? If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this so that that my joy may be complete in you, so that my, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So Jesus wants us to have joy in the journey. So he's not saying, I don't want to weigh you down. Stay in my love. I don't want to weigh you down. I'm not doing it to weigh you down. I'm I'm doing it to give you joy. Full joy. Complete joy. I want you to be joyful. Remain in my love. Verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if, conditional, you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything, oh, this is good, everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. That's a lot. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I loved you first. I sang over you first. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will remain. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. There it is again. So this is my command. Love one another. So what does life in the cockpit look like? What does partnership with Jesus look like? First of all, It looks like friendship. Everybody say friendship. See, we are not business partners with Jesus. We're friends. We're not doing contract labor. We have a covenant of love. Verse 15, back to that. I no longer call you servants. So he doesn't, Jesus doesn't look at you and go, hey, you're my partner. You're my servant. Go do my stuff. Right? He says, you're my friend. I want to tell you things. I'm going to tell you what to pray. I'm going to tell you where to go. We're going to hang out together. We're going to be friends. 
You're my boy. Right? We're together on this thing. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. So everything that, the, 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 that I know about the Father, I'm making it known to you. You're going to know as much about the Father as I know because we're friends. And friends share one another. If you were a slave, I wouldn't tell you anything. And this is how most people will live their life with Jesus as slaves. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what you want me to do. He's like, I want you to do what I want, what I want you to do. But what I really want is I want connection. I want a friend. Will you be my friend? See, when you have a friend like Jesus, you're never alone. And some, listen, sometimes in life, he's the only friend we get. And most of the time, it's not our fault because we didn't show ourselves friendly, right? Or we pushed our other friends away. But sometimes, sometimes, can I tell you that he's always the friend you need? And he'll always be the friend who's more than enough. So we get friendship out of this thing. Number two, we get leadership. Because we have this connection and friendship, he can lead us. Because he's in the cockpit with us, because we're together, he can, he can say, all right, Josh, go ahead and fly the plane. Head over there. Fly that direction. Oh, here comes some turbulence. Let's turn up the gas a little. Hey, let's slow down a little right here. What is that? That's leadership. That's leadership. See, we yield to his lordship by following his leadership. How do, I, how do I submit my life to the lordship of Jesus? By following his leadership. How many you know it's not control? God, I want you to control my life. You're not a robot. You're not an idiot. You're a friend. Right? He's not going to punch some little program in you. No, no, I obey. I obey Jesus. He's like, I want a friend. It's not control. It's leadership. It's leadership. Everybody say leadership. And this is what he wants to do is he wants to lead your life. He doesn't want to control you. When God put you on the earth, he said, do what you want to do. I want you to love me. I want you to work with me. What are you going to do? And what he wants is he wants us to choose. And he wants us to choose to follow. Psalm 32 verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and brittle to keep under control. In other words, don't be like a horse. Come over here. You want to come over here. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you like that. There might be a few times that he pops you, but most of the time his leadership is going to be like, come on. Let's go over here. Let's move like this. Let's act like this. Why? Because he doesn't want to control you. He wants to lead you. And he will lead you into loving him. He will lead you into following him. He will lead you into the Great Commission. He will lead you. He is an incredible leader. People, I've heard people say before, I'm not really a leader. You know, I'm just not the leader type. Of the, do you follow Jesus? Oh, yeah, I follow Jesus. Then you're the leader type because Jesus is the greatest leader in human history. People still follow Jesus. Right? People still follow Jesus. He's been off the earth for 2,000 years. People are still following him. The greatest leader ever. So you can't follow him and not lead others. It's just impossible. 
But the Holy Spirit is interested in being our leader, not our controller. Are you with me? So leadership. He wants friends. He wants to be our leader. And number three, fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. You know, the Lord, as much as you want the Lord to talk to you, he wants to talk to you. How many of you want God to, God to speak to you? He wants to speak to you infinitely more than you want that. I mean, every day I'm like, Lord, what do you want? Who are you? Let me show you. Right? And sometimes it's subtle. We all want the Lord. So he calls us into fellowship. What happens when we're in fellowship? Well, the first thing is obvious, communication. I will share you, communicate the information. Communication, the information from the Father, from heaven. Here, this is what I know. I'm teaching you. I'm showing you, right? Because we're friends, he reveals the Father's business. Oh, nobody can know the mind of the Lord. Excuse me? Last I checked, we have the mind of Christ. Oh, you, you just don't know. God's so mysterious and do 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 It's like, well, okay, great. Yeah, I, I get that. He is mysterious, but he's not unsearchable. He's saying, come on, discover me. I've given you the Holy Spirit to discover me. I want you to know all that I know. I want you to experience all that I have for you. I want you to, I want you to own this life more than you want to own this life. I want all that. I want all that infinitely more than you, beloved. See, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, and heard the Father saying. That's, what, that's how he operated. So Jesus shows us what the life of Jesus, Jesus on the earth, models for us what it's like to be full of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, that communication, hearing from the tower, right? Air traffic control, air traffic control. And we, hit, listen, we have the phone, you know? I don't, I don't know what it looks like in a cup, but we have the phone. We're like, air traffic control, what's going on? He's like, yes. Let me tell you what you don't know. Communication. The Holy Spirit is there to show you, to teach you, to advise you. He's going to advise you along the way. He's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to say, hey, hey, hey. And we go, oh, yes. Pray this. Pray for this. Okay, Lord. And then we see those prayers answered just like it talks about. And the second thing that he does with, with the fellowship is that he affirms us. Affirmation. So he talks to us, communication. That involves information. And the second thing that he does is he, is, it's affirmation. He affirms us. Um, and we read it there in, in uh, Romans, but we also talk, read it here in Galatians 4, verse 6. Because we are his children, God has sit, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call Abba Father. So, when we're singing songs, we sang the song last night um, at the furnace, and uh, the, the song says, Abba, I belong to you. And that's, it's just real simple. It's like two chords, and I'm just like, I'm melting, like singing the song. I'm all off pitch and everything. Where do I get that? Where do I get that cry? I get that from the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit comes into you and affirms you, and he goes, listen, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Listen, that's not your flesh. That's not the devil telling you that. It's unending. It's reckless. I'm abandoned for you. I love you. I love you. And we're like, yeah. Or we're like, oh, yeah, I know. 
Listen, if your response to the love of God is, yeah, I know, then you don't get it. You don't know. He is out to affirm you. He lo- we said it a while ago. He loves you and you're not getting out of it. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. As much as the Father loves Jesus, He loves you. He loves you. Perfect, unending, eternal, vast, unexplainable, deep, wide, vast, far, distant, close love. Loves you. Infinitely more than you can even imagine. In fact, as deep as you can imagine, just scratch the surface. It's the beginning. And it's not just the beginning, it's the beginning of the beginning. As you dive into the the relationship with the Holy Spirit, He's going to be like, I love you. And you know what that does? When you know you're loved, it gives you confidence. When you know that you're loved, when you know that He's my dad, and He's a good dad, and there's nothing I could do to get out of His dadship, and He's so good, man, I will tear down demons. I will cast out demons. I will heal the sick. I'll see the dead raised. Well, the Holy Spirit's doing it. Yeah, but he does it with us. Notice that Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. He never said pray for the sick. Jesus never commanded us to pray for the sick. Well, pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. Why? Because of me? No, because of the Holy Spirit. Partnership. Y'all all right? So how do we remain in the cockpit? How do we stay in this place? Because we have our moments, right? We have our God moments at church. We're like, oh, you know, I had a God moment over here today. I was like, oh, it's so good. You know, I love the chills. You know what I'm saying. It's like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Last night, I, uh, I always have God moments when I'm roasting coffee in my backyard. And, um, but it was really cold. And so, so I went inside, and I, you know, I keep my, my equipment in the garage, and so I put my equipment up. And I went to the back door, and I, and I, and I grabbed the back, the garage door that goes into the house. And as soon as I grabbed the door, I just felt the Holy Spirit just be like, just breathe on me. And I was like, oh, I was like, I had a God moment, right? I was like, oh, man, it was intense. I just stood there, you know, and I was like, you know, and then after a couple of minutes, it just kind of lifted. And I was just like, man, it's like the Lord just was like Jehovah sneaky and just decided to, to, to visit me in that moment. And it wasn't anything I was doing. I think he was just wanting to say, hey, Josh, I love you. And the Lord wants you to have those moments, but listen, not just have those moments, but where we live in that room. I'm not talking about you being flaky and, you know, spazzing out. No, if he's in you, you're going to be able to love people well. And that means listening and communicating. Come on, being tender with people, responding. So that's what it says about listening. John 14, 26, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. So he's, he's, so what do we need to do to remain in the cockpit? Number one, we listen. We listen. See, part of the reason why we don't experience the Lord day in, day out is because we don't take enough time to listen. We're too busy listening to music, even Christian music. We're too busy listening to complaints. We're too busy on Facebook. We're too busy with work. We're too busy. We just don't take the time to listen. Whereas if we would listen, he would speak. Well, I just want God to speak. Well, what are you doing in your life to provide opportunities for him to speak? Oh, you know, I'm just kind of thinking that he'll just kind of visit you like he did in the garage. Well, that, that's great. But, but most of the time, I can tell you most of the time, when God speaks to me, it's whenever I say, God, here I am, no phone, no iPad, no computer, not even a pen and paper, not e- sometimes, sometimes not even a Bible, but most of the times with the Bible. And I'm sitting there and he goes, listen. When I take the time to listen is whenever he speaks. 
The fact is, I believe this. I believe God is always speaking. Are we tuned in? And we tune in by listening. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And, and let me just say this about, about being kind of weird because some people are just like, because we've all had weird experiences like this. We run into someone and they'll be like, oh, hold on. You know, their eyes kind of roll back in the back of their head. And they're like, Holy Spirit is saying. It's like, you don't have to qualify it like that. You can be natural and normal and not weirdo about it. And you can just be like, hey, you know, I just really feel like the Lord just wanted me to tell you today that he loves you and he's proud of you and he's, he's grateful for all the hard work that you do. And sometimes that's, that's all you have to do. You don't have to be, zero. nothing weird about that? She wasn't like getting all uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, it's weird. But if I was like, thus saith the Lord, this is the word of God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, sister. You know, that's when people get all like tripped out and you invite them to church and they're like, Mm-mm. somebody else invite me, please, so I have an excuse to go to church somewhere else on Sunday, right? So just listen to the Holy Spirit. Just say, Lord, speak to me. And then don't go through your prayer list. Go, Holy Spirit, speak to me and just go, I have some of the most powerful times with the Lord when I'm mowing the lawn. Why? Because everything else is tuned out. Because even sometimes when I sit down and pray, I'm like, I got my list. And I got, Lord, here I am. Make me smarter. You know, I pray that. I'm like, Lord, make me smarter. I don't want to be an idiot. He's like, yeah, I don't want you to be an idiot either. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Let's move those Holy Spirit prayers. Okay. Some of you are like, I'm glad he's praying that. <laughs> I'm praying for that. I'm agreeing with you in prayer, Pastor Josh. All right. Number two. So we listen, but how do we remain? We don't just listen. We also respond, right? Remember Jesus talks about a word, man that hears and doesn't do anything, says he's foolish. James talks about that as well. But we respond. We respond to the nudges. When you feel the Holy Spirit, you go, okay. Right? You don't have to, you don't have to post on Facebook that you just did it. You just say, okay. You don't have to check with anybody. You just say, okay. Sometimes you might need to check with your wife or your husband. I mean, sometimes if it involves them or it could be something weird. But don't ignore the nudges. Listen, ignoring him makes you numb. So when he nudges you and you go, no, 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 eventually the nudges will stop. Not because he's not nudging you, but just because you've grown numb to it. So what he wants from us is responsive obedience. Responsive obedience. Following the way of love. If you obey my commands, remember verse 10, you'll remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. You know, it's interesting that the disciples didn't have the scriptures like we do. Right? They didn't. After Jesus left the earth, all they had was the Holy Spirit. So they had to respond to everything that he was doing. Um, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. So we're not, fun- if, listen, let me say this. Because the other command is this. This is my command. They say, okay, well, what do you command? Love one another. That's my command. Love one another. Oh, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? Isn't it hard to love people sometimes? I mean, some people are easy to love. You know, everybody loves Nathan. He's easy to love, right? This is my command, love one another. Listen, if we are not functioning in love, then we're disobeying the Holy Spirit. 
Don't don't give me your like self-righteousness, you know, angry God theology about God hates so much stuff. If you're not demonstrating love, you're disobeying the Holy Spirit. No, no matter how much truth that you spew, because the religious people spewed a whole lot of truth in a very wrong spirit. Love. So when we refuse to love, we're saying, no, Holy Spirit, I got a better idea. And the third thing that we do is we stay connected. This is how you get there. How do we get there? How do we stay in the cockpit? You listen, you respond, and you stay connected. In other words, don't leave the cockpit. You can come up, Nate. See, the cockpit is the place of intimacy. It's the place of intimacy. That word, abide, remain, the Greek word is meno. It means to live there. It means to dwell. In Exodus chapter 33, you got to understand in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit was there, but it didn't, the Holy Spirit, he didn't dwell inside of them. And so they had a tent called the tent of meeting. And they would go into this tent in Exodus 33, and that's where they would meet with God. They couldn't be like driving in their car down the road and like meet with God or standing in their garage at the back door and have a God moment. They they couldn't have any of that. Like if they want to experience the Lord, if they wanted to talk to the Lord, they had to go to the tent of meeting. And not only that, only a select few people could go in. And then only a select few people, the select few people could go in. And you had to talk to the person. So Moses who wasn't a priest, that wasn't his job, he still was able, he's able, one of the ones that kind of had the exception, and he would go to the tent of meeting and meet with God. And this is what it says in Exodus 33, verse 7. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. So Moses went in and out of the cockpit of intimacy. He'd go and hear from the Lord. And he'd come over here and do what God said. Go and hear from the Lord. Lord, come to church on Sunday. Hear the word of the Lord. Go do the word of the Lord. However, there's another part of this verse. Look at this. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses, phenomenal leader. The law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through the man, Jesus. And this young man, Joshua, which in the old language is the same name, Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. And in this moment, Joshua models, listen, Joshua models the abiding presence of God. Listen, Joshua is a picture of Christ, the one who brings us into promise. Moses didn't inherit the promised land. Great man, grateful for Moses, but he didn't inherit what God promised. Joshua did. And I believe with all my heart that it was linked not only just to the disobedience of Moses, 
but it was linked to Joshua saying, I'm not leaving the room. I'm not leaving. Jesus promised the Spirit of God. He promised to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what John said about him, John the, the Baptist. He said, he will come and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. You won't go into a tent and meet with the Holy Ghost. You'll be immersed in the Holy Ghost. And this is what Jesus came for. He came to provide a way for us to live in constant, constant, unending, abiding presence of Jesus. So when you're in your car, or you're in the garage, or you're talking to your child, you're parenting, or you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, the Holy Spirit will meet with you.